I'm your host, Richard Codd, and I want to thank you for joining us here today on KZMU for another edition of Art Talks. Today, we have a couple of guests who will be here. First up are my guests from the Moab School System. Today, we have Catherine Moore and Bruce Hucko. Welcome. Welcome to you, too, Richard. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's a gorgeous day. So um, I'm hoping that we can talk a lot about art in this beautiful area of uh, Grand County. So tell me, first we'll go with you, Catherine. What do you do with the school system? Um, I'm an art teacher at Grand County High School. So I teach ninth through 12th grade students. Okay. And what classes do you teach? Um, I teach a lot of classes that are listed as CTE, Career Technical Education. Um, as well as fine arts class from drawing, advanced drawing, photography, yearbook what, class. What's career technical information? Um, this is a special program we offer, uh, many schools have here in Utah, and it teaches skills that students hopefully will take with them to inspire them in careers. Um, like graphic design. Correct, or something yeah, like illustration that. to give them ideas and skills that they could use. Right. For careers. Oh, okay. And Bruce, what do you do? Well, I work at HMK where the kids know me as art coach. <laughs> so I'm the uh, full-time arts educator over there um, under funding from a program at the state level, which is called the Beverly Taylor Sorensen Arts Learning Program. That's a mouthful. BTS. Oh, yeah. I read about that. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's a program that... Um, integrates what well, brings artists such as myself into the school art educators to work with teachers in a collaborative basis to uh, provide instruction in the arts while pairing the projects with various areas of the curriculum okay so so tell me um, how, how would you rate the art programs in uh, Grand County in Moab <laughs> Pretty fabulous, huh, Catherine? Yeah, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I think we're very lucky to have a community that's so supportive and a school district who loves the arts as well. Yeah, yeah, well, we are fortunate. Um, we have the uh, beautiful sculptures ar around mm -hmm. town. Um, I know Bruce does uh, an event with the um, gallery in Moab mm -hmm. that, that I noticed or I saw last year and I actually went over and visited. What, what kinds of courses, um, and when do they begin? When, when do the kids start to put pencil to paper or whatever else they're trying to, to learn, whether it's painting or drawing? When, when do those programs actually begin? Well, Catherine's looking at me, which is um, <laughs> appropriate, because <laughs> uh, I, I hope it begins before I see them in kindergarten. Oh, um, I hope. I don't know what's out there. Um, preschool does a pretty good job getting kids ramped up for, you know, the the other academic areas. Art being one of the R's, I think. Reading, writing, arithmetic, and art. Art. I like it. And um, in I start them off. We do a lot of drawing. Um, mm -hmm. I really believe that drawing from life. Um, things that you can see with your real eyes is the key to most all of our exploration there. It certainly it, fills your creative side. The more things you can draw, 
the more things you can draw and then you can connect those and make um, I mean like new but, things. but in third grade they don't have watercolor too oh yeah on their schedule oh they do yeah oh, oh it's what, what, yeah what? no we, we it depends on 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 the project okay uh, for instance if I may we have a project that we just finished our ninth year of a partnership with um, friends of arches and Canyonlands parks where oh. for a couple of weeks I teach third graders um, how to draw all the landforms in the local area, describe them, spell them in the um, erosional sequence from plateau all the way down to rubble mound, including oh. buttes and plateau and oh, you nice. know, all that stuff. Uh -huh. And then the culminating um, um, event is we go to either Island in the Sky or Arches National Park. Mm -hmm. Third grades all go to Island in the Sky, Green River Overlook. We see it and we have them divided up with three different artists. This year was Pastel, uh, oh. a multimedia artist, uh, Pete Apicella, and then myself doing acrylic with kids. So they get mm. in, mm. in a single school year, every kid, first through sixth grade, um, learns new skills, new techniques in projects in drawing, pastel, watercolor, acrylic, oh, well, that's, and other that, things. That's terrific. And I, I was reading on the state education website. They have a whole uh, bureaucratic process that's laid out. Do you, do you, are you familiar with that, Catherine? It has the goals or what, whatever yes. they're called. Mm -hmm. um, and Standards. That, and that applies to every grade. If, mm -hmm. Was I correct? So it's laid out then what hopefully these the, the students are going to take away. Yeah, the high school um, is a little bit more open. So sometimes I'll have a senior taking drawing one where it's sometimes freshmen can take it. So at the high school right. level, there's some very a lot of flexibility there. Okay. I also wanted to mention with your last um, question is that I can really tell when people's parents um, have encouraged the art or have a um, esteem for uh, craft fairs and art shows and galleries. It really shows with the kids <coughs> and their interests. Uh-huh. When, when the parents support what yeah, the, what the students are doing. Yeah, it's a huge factor in success. Well, I, uh, that's probably not unlike if, if they're taking uh, science courses. If mm -hmm. the parents are there... Uh, uh, for another activity perhaps related to science or something. So I, I, I get that. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> I think in our society, when, we, when we're looking to save money in some of these, some of these uh, budgets, uh, municipal budgets, sometimes things that get cut are extracurricular activities right away. Um, then they might start to look at other classes and unfortunately sometimes it's music or or some art class or art programs do do you see that happening here or are we um are, are we better in our funding <laughs> well we could always use more funding sure okay let's sure let's put sure. that out there uh -huh. but um no i think we're quite supportive mm -hmm. here um the the program I'm involved with has because it's their state money 
involved the legislature approved this and we're that's where the funding f what was the name that's the funding for the beverly taylor Sorensen arts learning program right, and, and that's and uh, we're that's a 12.9 million dollar uh line budget item at, at the state level because uh -huh. they have the goal of putting somebody like myself in every elementary school in the state uh -huh. that's not quite happening yet i feel real fortunate is i have one me one art coach and one school. Some of my peers have to visit two to three schools per year, which does not a program um, make. So I hope we don't grow any more than we already are. Because uh, huh. <laughs> I, I, I would take a walk, you know, but, um, but the program has proven itself to mm -hmm. the point where the legislature, we started out 13 years ago with a million dollars and had to lobby for that every year. So this program has proven that the arts are vital to um, the rest of the teaching of the rest of the curriculum because we build some mm -hmm. of that the that other curriculum teaching mm -hmm. into the art okay. program into the art project. Um, t tell me, well, how how are the, how are the arts classes received by the students? I mean, um, do you get feedback? from them do they do they um like it are there th are there um classes or subjects maybe some of the other students would like to explore in the arts how, how yeah. do you deal with with that i think the kids are excited to be there for the most part and find that it's uh, the best part of their day they can really um learn some skills and then have that quiet time to um, be creators and be problem solvers and just enjoy the process of making art uh-huh and do they do they participate in competitions maybe that's not the right word but um, exhibits both in the school and perhaps um, around the state because I know there's a big program up at the Springville Art Museum each year yes we participate that at the high school level um, we always get uh, student works in that show and try and take students to go see the show, which is very impressive. There's the Sterling Scholar Competition, which we've had many winners um, with this nice scholarships. The Utah State Visual Arts we Competition, we've had students do very well in that. Um, so that's been a wonderful boost for students. Sure. And... and and, and what about the public? Are, are members of the community invited to events that you may be showing art that the kids have produced? At our school, um, I don't have them go for competitive things. I don't think that's appropriate for the for the age mm -hmm. level there cuz you know look, yeah. I'm I'm nurturing the joy of of creating for the sake of creating there and so i think it's great that, and i think uh, that's a good point at the it's, high school level that you know catherine's yeah, got those yeah. bases quite well covered and it's mm -hmm. great to see former students participating in 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 all of that um hey, hey, here's a here's an aside how, <laughs> how do you get how do you deal with a student who is struggling with art I, I'm, you know, just like there are techniques for if somebody's struggling with biology. You know, everybody, I, I, one of the things you always hear, I can't draw, I can't do this. And 
I think what you've been talking about, Bruce, is w when you start the, with the kids when they're younger, when they don't have that real fear. But how do you, how do you get students motivated in areas where they may not be comfortable as an art? Uh, yeah, that happens quite often. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and I first reassure them that their efforts are going to be reflected in their grade. And then break things down into simple shapes, mm -hmm. angles, and then teach them measuring skills and other skills that don't really require creativity, but build up their sight um, with measuring things mm -hmm. and um, just so ba some basic techniques that can be basic transferred. techniques and mm -hmm. patience, and so they slowly build that through the trimester. Uh -huh. I wanted to also mention with the last thing you brought up that we've had shows here in town, mm -hmm. the Mark. Um, the Bike Fiend has had so many great shows for the high school art students. The Library, the Moab Museum. So these have been really fun shows that we can walk to as a class and go visit as well. Oh, good. Okay. And we have a uh, annual, I guess it's annual now, show at the uh, Gallery Moab where we let, met last mm -hmm. year. Richard mm -hmm. just got invited to do, I think it's our fourth. And along with that, we have... We've been quite honored with the, the growth of our the Look Where We Live project, which is the one where we take kids to Arches and Canyonlands, is the Visitor Center at Arches gave us a wall, and the Visitor Center at Island in the Sky gave us a wall. Oh. And I haven't had any work at either of those two places, but <laughs> by golly, the kids have. Oh, and, good for uh, them. Yeah, which is terrific because, you know, the, those works stay up there for a year. And we've been starting, we've been, people are encouraged to come to our school and take a look around. It's the community mm -hmm. school. It's a big, beautiful school. Mm -hmm. And we have framed art. We have over 170 pieces of framed kids' art that I've curated over the last 13 years. We buy some every year, and they get a little fee, and mm. pieces go up on the wall, and there's a nice info panel. And we used to okay. do shows at uh, the Mark and everything, but with that nice, new, beautiful school, it's like, community, come on in to HMK and, and uh, yeah. see, the, see the permanent collection. Uh -huh. That is impressive. I always love watching, walking around HMK. Right now, if you're interested, you could get a cup of coffee at the Coffee Roasters and check out a little coffee bag art show that the high school students did. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay. In case you just joined us, you're listening to KZMU, and we are talking with representatives from the Moab schools. We're talking about art. We're speaking with Catherine Moore and Bruce Hucko. I wanted to talk about a few things, and one of them, we briefly touched on a little bit about funding. Um, how much do you rely on outside funding, such as the program that you were talking ab about, Bruce to Beverly, H how much do they fill a gap or, um, w or what? I feel like when we have a gap, we, um, we've gotten a grant from the Moab Arts Council oh, um, uh -huh. to have a visiting artist come in. Um, the school community council has given us land trust funding for um, so many supplies that have been so valuable to our program. One year I got a donation from Wabi Sabi. Um, so the community always fills in the gaps. We're so grateful to them. Okay. 
Yeah, on, on my end of it, um, Beverly Taylor Sorensen fills in, I'm not sure what the percentage is. It's pretty high, probably 80% of the whole salary package that I'm given. Oh. But um, I have a lot of loyalty to this community, and it, it comes back because I have been told by our superintendent and, my, and all my past principals that if that kind of fell apart, they would find what it would take to keep Art Coach around because the kids would be up in arms. <laughs> oh. And so that's been great. And, and definitely school community council chips in a, a bit, quite a bit, actually. And then um, with the project, once again, out in Arches, is Friends of Arches and Candylands Parks picks up the bill for that. And that is quite significant to take five classes in buses, um, you know, and to pay local artists a decent wage to, mm. to help teach the classes and then good quality supplies. I think we both would say that, you know, if um, if any funding came in, people, even from private citizens, hint, hint, that uh, you could be assured that it would go to the purchase of good quality supplies because there's, you know, you give kids good supplies and they'll automatically up their, up the, up their sure, game. Sure, sure. Um, when there are events in town that uh, feature, I'm, I'm thinking of the Red Rocks Art Festival that was here or some of the other art festivals, do the students go to those um, as, as part of, a, of your um, class or... In what? the past, we have done that. Or have um, they participated? They have in, in the past, but it's been a while, so mm -hmm. it's something we should try to do again. Um, well, unfortunately, like the Red Rocks, the last couple of years was canceled. Yeah. And then this year, they had, they still had issues with with COVID. There, you know, the signups weren't as good, and the reasons people just didn't want to. They didn't know if it was safe to travel. So mm -hmm. hopefully that'll be coming up again this year. But uh, that, I was wondering if some of the older students may go out and do some of that plain air painting. Do you, do you cover that in, in your classes, a plain air painting? I have. I have. Huh. I don't do any of that because by the time I'm done with my day, I'm sure it holds true for Catherine. The kids go home. We still have a couple hours of cleaning brushes and oh, you know yeah. moving art around because we don't have adequate storage. You know, even it's just it's yeah. an ongoing job. And yeah, but and in the past you've done Dead Horse, gone to Dead Horse with students. And yeah, yo, know, that's really like you know things. that's yeah that's that during school one. But, yeah, but. Nothing oh. after school. Right, Some of right. us like a little of our own time. Right. <laughs> and and it's, the students do go on, some of them, to careers in art or, you know, I'm, I'm, right now I'm talking about painting, but of course that's a there's much broader, uh, or you can apply that to sculpture or jewelry or, or other uh, crafts or artist, artisans. So do, do you see some students going on to careers like that? Um, yes, we've had um, students go on to do more schooling after high school in creative fields um, such as photography. We've had students win certain things and oh. go on to creative things. A lot of students with goals to become art teachers, so that's oh. always exciting. Oh, that's nice. Um, I always brag my daughter is uh, an art therapist in New York City. 
um, with one of the hospitals. So cool. I, I understand a little bit about the role of art as a therapeutic exercise. So, well, I, I want to thank you for coming today. Uh, is, is there a topic or a, or a question I didn't ask you that you'd like to bring up and, and discuss here with our KZMU listeners? Oh, I don't know. I just think I want to thank the whole community because, you know, we, we are quite an artful community. You know, we're a bunch of renegades. It's like herding cats around here. Yeah. But but that's what makes it exciting, you know, and I just see a lot of support for for the for children around here. And that's uh, that's why I'm engaged in the, the art part. You know, that's having the arts in your life, having sports in your life, having all those other opportunities that this particular district always finds a way to give to the kids just makes for um, a great educational environment and enriches everybody's life eventually. And, and, I, and to follow up, Bruce, I think we are lucky. We, we just had the uh, Moab Folk Festival mm-hmm. uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, which was a wonderful event. And, and earlier we had the uh, music festival. We have several art-related festivals or events going on, um, art walks. So I think you're mm-hmm. right. I think Moab does have a real rich arts community. And it's through the school that we can continue to, to grow uh, support for that. That's that the idea. That is a good point. Um, I've also several times had students say in the morning, first hour, give me a camera. I've got to go outside and take a picture. Oh. Just to bring it back to not only do we have a great community, but we live in just such a gorgeous place that's always giving us oh. new beautiful pictures. It certainly is. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming here today up to the, our studio and to take some time to talk with us about art in Moab schools. So thank you, Catherine, and thank thank you, Bruce, very much, and I hope to see you back here again soon. Good love to. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Uh, You're listening to KZMU Art Talks. My next guest today is Brian Hale. Brian is a professional photographer here in Moab, and I asked him to come in and talk to us about, one, his work, and two, how the heck do we get our pictures to look better? So welcome, Brian. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, and thank you so much for coming today. You bet. Um, so first of all, tell me, what, what do you do here in town? I'm a tour guide with Tom Till Tours here, and we do photograph photography in the landscape here in Moab. We take clients out for either sunset or sunrise. A lot of people want to do night photography now. Uh-huh. How long have you been doing that? Six years. Oh, six years yep. here. What were you doing before that? Prior to that, I lived in Colorado in Fort Collins, and for seven years, or more than that, a little more than that, I was a wedding photographer there. Oh. And But I always had a, uh, like Paul Simon says, a Nikon camera, and I love to take a photograph. So. All my life, I've had a camera in my hand. Oh. And uh, before that, I was in uh, high tech, and I was in the energy business, but I, I moved over to just doing arts, and I was very good with uh, the camera. Oh, and good. Picked up more talent as I did more weddings. The more I shot, the better I got, the more uh-huh. I got to know my equipment, and uh, just had a good eye for the landscape also because I'd been coming out here to Moab for uh-huh. 
since 1993 and working with Dan Norris. Oh. And he's a good friend of mine for almost 30 years. I, and, and I have to say I see a lot of uh, his photos and your photos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, and they are absolutely <laughs> stunning. I have to say that. I'd have to say the first trip I made out here to Moab, uh, I got a hold of Dan out of a little small ad he had in Outdoor Photographer magazine. And I called him and I said, I just love your photography. I'd like to come out and visit with you, maybe go out on a tour. And he took me out and we went around to Arches, down along the river. Uh, But the last hour of the day, he really showed me the light that we all appreciate here that last hour that golden hour yeah and we hiked above the uh fiery furnace in arches national park stood there on top of those fins and this just warm light emerged you know that last hour and this is what we go for this is the Mm. light we want in our photography Mm. so tell me um uh, tell me about like a typical photo shoot um this, um, this somebody calls you and they say, hey, Brian, we want to go try to get some nice pictures up at Delicate Arch or mm-hmm. something. How, mm-hmm. Tell me about that process. What happens? Well, we'll work with the light. So mm-hmm. typically we'll do a four to five hour tour. Uh, and in the beginning, the light can be a bit strong. So we'll use reflected light. A lot of times I'll go down along the river and use the light reflected from the other side of the river to give us a nice, uh, almost a studio effect for the photography. And then move up to arches uh, for that last hour, the hour and a half of the golden light. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as delicate arch, uh, there's some great compositions there. Uh, I'd have to say I've also had some good luck up there with the light, if you've seen some of my shots from delicate arch. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, they're they're gorgeous. Yeah. So, uh, to get people prepared, uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about composing the shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, first, first, I was, uh, just going back to your clients. Who are they? Where do they come from? Oh boy, they're from all over the world. We have international clients. The past year with COVID, we've had more of the domestic tourism mm-hmm. that we've all seen, uh, but from all over the country, really, they are, and they're excited to be here in the dark skies at night right. and then to see that golden light that a lot of people from larger cities say atlanta or florida area chicago they don't get to see the light that we see here in moab oh it, it's so true i mean yeah. i come from the east and <laughs> nighttime i mean if you can see 25 stars I, i'm being facetious but right. y- you just don't see there's mm-hmm. just so much light pollution right so when we came out west it's it's just incredible and i'd say the last three years in particular as people have gotten better cameras that can do more low light photography there's been mm-hmm. more of an interest in getting the milky way oh in their photography oh. so we work with people who have gone out and bought those cameras and helped them gain confidence with their photography at night or in low light conditions so do do uh your clients most of them come with uh, slrs and fancy gear or some of them coming with cell phones it's a mix it's mostly slr cameras single lens reflexes Mm -hmm. with uh, interchangeable lenses Mm -hmm. but we're seeing more and more of the mirrorless systems mainly because they're 
excellent to travel with. They're lightweight, um, and so they're easier to work what, what, with. What, what did you call it? Mirrorless? Mirrorless cameras. And, and is that a phone? Your phone is a, a mirrorless, a mirrorless camera. camera. Yeah, yeah. It's I a mean, type I just of so mirrorless camera. Sure. Yeah. That's a digital. We're getting away from more, less and less mechanical uh, parts in the camera. And uh-huh. I think I read an article that the last mechanical part left in the uh, in the mirrorless cameras is just the shutter button. That's it. Well, here's a question for you: is is it the uh, is it the camera? that can takes the picture or is it the photographer oh it's like, the photographer of course so mm-hmm. I, I, I was getting at was we're talking about all the advances with with mm-hmm. the um, cameras and the phones uh, Ansel Adams didn't have nearly any of the kind of equipment that's being right. used today, but look at his pictures. They right. stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just say, saying Ansel Adams. And, and what Ansel Adams did wasn't luck. I mean, he used, and a term that he used was pre-visualization. Hmm. You'll see that in the preface of his first book, Taos Pueblo. He talks a little bit about that. Simply, to put it simply, it's like scouting the shot. Uh-huh. So he had a vision of that shot on his wall before he ever even clicked the shutter. Oh. So he would scout shots, and he knew where the light was going to be as it moved across the landscape throughout the season. And I guess that's not unlike other artists Mm -hmm. who know, oh, geez, I want to get back here to Mm -hmm. catch this, uh, the sunlight on these trees Mm -hmm. here, or this uh, mountain meadow at a certain time. Or that first time that you go, maybe the light's not great. You right. have to go back again. You mm-hmm. have to go back again. I think I went to Mesa Arch five times before I got a great sunrise shot there. Mm. <laughs> huh. So it's not always the first, the first trip to a location that you get that great Do shot. you get there? Yeah. And, and let's talk about, you started to uh, talk about composition. Mm-hmm. What can people do, like myself, we're on vacation, we're in a wherever we'll we'll say here and you're with family and you're out there at delicate arch and you you're snapping away the pictures and you get home and you go oh it's too bad she wasn't over 50 feet or 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 whatever or boy i should have taken i shouldn't have taken that into the sun what advice can you give our listeners on just how to take make your pictures a little bit better That's a good question, and I think Delicate Arch is a good subject for that because when you come around that corner and you see Delicate Arch, what is that? That's the first thing that you see. Right. That's the first thing you look at. That's your subject. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is place that subject in the frame, but yet you want to fill the frame. Mm -hmm. So uh, we use, or I do, I use the rule of thirds when I can. So maybe that subject of the arch itself, the physical arch, I would place that in a quadrant of the rule of thirds. Which an easy way to describe that is a tic-tac-toe. Okay. On your screen. Right. And the crosshairs of the tic-tac-toe is where I would want to put my subject. Okay. And then in that So you don't want them in the middle. 
It can be it sometimes, can. Right. maybe nine out of ten times. So I try to use the rule of thirds. Right. And then uh, it's a little bit about geometry mm-hmm. too. So you want to lead your viewer into that subject. So maybe you have a leading line of light that guides that viewer's eyes to the subject of delicate arch, or not necessarily rule of thirds, but balance in the image. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's two subjects, mm-hmm. a setting sun on the left and balanced rock on the right, uh-huh. or delicate arch or another icon that we have in the area. So uh, I think people feel comfortable when they see uh, an image framed up that fills the frame. I think people get home, and if they don't do that, that's when they see too broad an image, and and it just uh, doesn't appeal as much as a, a well-composed shot. Yeah, and, and I know there are all kinds of uh, techniques that people may try to employ um i had read about negative space that's something every every painter or or photographer you might try to think of that or um yeah that yin yang yeah feeling that we all want to see it gives you comfort um negative positive dark light uh i think the concept's called dualism Mm. And I think subconsciously we all desire that. So I try to portray that in my images for the viewer. Now, there, mu- uh, there must be uh, some resources. Are, are there like apps where people can go if they wanted to? Um, there are some excellent improve apps. Their pictures. Yeah, so you just plug in your location and it can give you information on where the sun's going to be, oh. where the mm-hmm. planets are going to be, right. how much moonlight there's going to be that evening, and uh, we all use those factors in our photography. So, you know, w- when you drive past arches mm-hmm. or canyon lands, you, you always, or any national park, you always see a whole bunch of people jumped out of their car trying to get their picture mm-hmm. around the sign uh, going in. What advice do you have for people who are coming to the park and want to maybe take pictures of of, of their family? Mm-hmm. How do you get them? Do you take close-ups or are they always move back? Yeah. Yeah? And then you can't even see who it is. <laughs> but what what kind of advice can you give people? So more like portraits in the landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tell people to be off-center, but yet have some feature in the background that I can, I, I can have in the composition. I tell people I don't want to cut off arms or legs or hands, anything like that in the shot. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll shoot from the waist up and have a nice background, um, have the light facing you. So if you're in uh, the sunlight, you, uh, stay out right. of shadows, that right. kind of thing. Some of these, uh, there's probably competition. We have this beautiful vista looking out at Canyonlands from Island in the Sky, and then you may want to try to put somebody in the picture. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, what's what's the important piece of this photo? Is it the background, mm-hmm. or is it Aunt Sally, who's who's standing there almost in the picture? Yeah. To just Do they work, those guys, or... 
yeah, to give you a relationship to how Aunt Sally looks in that landscape. Right. You know, how vast that valley is. A lot mm-hmm. of our rims here are 800,000 feet high. So uh, having a person uh, in the picture on those kind of shots, uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I typically do that, too, when I go out on tours. I take portraits at the end of the session or somewhere in the nice light, something they can remember. What are some other um, techniques that people might use? Perspective, like maybe a straight-on picture of your family standing there, but if you could somehow shoot it at a different angle. Mm -hmm. Do you try to do stuff like that? Or, I mean, meaning like you climb up a rock and then you take a picture of them down. Yeah, you've got to think outside the box, definitely, Richard. I think you're on to something there. And I do tell people to shoot at different angles Mm -hmm. um, on the landscape as well as in portraits. But uh, sure, yeah, a different angle, not just straight on. Yeah. If, If I'm going out with you to take pictures and I'm hoping to come back with maybe a dozen really nice pictures... Mm-hmm. How many shots do you think it takes <laughs> to get that 12? Well, luckily with Tom Till Tours, we do a lot of the pre-visualization and the scouting for you, so we can narrow that down. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's okay. the value of going out with Tom or Dan or I, is that, that we know where the light is good throughout the year. We can narrow that down for you. So we go to the... The great locations throughout okay. the year. Yeah, and and what are I, I, you may have already touched on it, but what what are some of the popular destinations here in the Moab area? You know, the icons are always popular. Delicate Arch, like you said, um, Balanced Rock, uh, Corona Arch, and uh, there's different areas that are more public and BLM lands that we can go to, uh, like Corona Arch. Mm-hmm. I think I sent you a picture of Corona Arch where I was using uh, some artificial lighting there at night. Now, we can't do that in the parks, so we'll, we'll go outside, but um, the icons are the most popular, and, and people are coming here to see those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, I'll f- pick up on what you just said about the park. So you, you mm-hmm. can't use uh, external lighting? Right, yeah, at night. At night. Mm-hmm. Now that we're a dark scar- sky park here, I think those regulations went into effect, no artificial lighting. Oh, yeah. I- is there, mm-hmm. is, can you apply for a permit to do it? I, I'm just curious. No, we just do it the natural way. We wait okay. until the moon is about a quarter full and you can use ambient light, use light from the moon okay. on the landscape. With and a tripod, still get probably. the stars, Milky Way, using a tripod. With, um, believe it or not, sometimes car lights in the park can light a feature really nice. Oh, I bet. Yeah, sure, yeah. coming around the corner. Um, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, but yeah. Interesting. You notice that in some of my landscape shots in the park. Uh, have some lights from cars, and you wouldn't even know it was cars, but it's beautiful light on the rocks. What kind of pictures do you like to take? I think I like a mix of uh, a portrait style as well as the landscapes, because I still I did a, over 250 weddings in Colorado, so I still like to go back to that. And I think I use my talent from those days 
And some of the rock art here, I shoot at different angles, almost in a portrait style. Oh. I also still like to shoot flowers. And uh, I have some techniques shooting macro that are really good. And we have some beautiful flowers here in the spring. Oh, yeah. Fall. I mean, we really have three flower seasons here, the mountains, the spring, and then the fall. Do your clients, um, do, do they want... Uh, those images as well or is oh, it oh sure mm -hmm. uh-huh yeah depending on their their equipment and their abilities sure they're they're looking for that but i always talk with them before they come out for a tour and do, really see what they're looking to get do you get um clients coming lo looking for wildlife too not too often it's more the landscape but uh it's also a bonus if we do see some say bighorn sheep yeah or yeah something okay yeah Let's let me ask you this. What are some of the common mistakes that people make? I know we've been talking about composing the picture and um, trying to make them look better. What are some of the more common mistakes? Well, not just composition or but knowing your equipment. Mm. So sometimes people don't use their camera for a couple of months and say they pick it up and they're just not familiar with the technology so much. So getting to know your equipment helps a lot. Um, hmm. Some of the mistakes people maybe make, uh, getting to know aperture and focal length and how to have a, a background, whether you want it blurred or you want it sharp, that's an effect of aperture. So uh, learning well, that technique takes time, yeah, you know. But again, with, with uh, cell phones, <laughs> If you asked 90, 95% of the people who are taking those pictures, if you asked them what's the aperture, they wouldn't know no. what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I remember my father had one of his old cameras, and you'd wind the, the, the film after the shot. Oh, you know, yeah. He'd open it up, and he'd have his light meter, and he'd be look, <laughs> working on the f-stops and... And I had no idea. It took a lot of time to figure all that and make it come out as a, a and, good picture. Exactly. <laughs> and not only that, you're trying to get the camera all set up and, and you have the, what you, the image, what you're trying to take, and that may be changing right in front of you, especially if it's a, a person. Yeah. So. And now we have instantly we can see what, what the picture was that we took. Right. We didn't have that before. We had to take the film and get it processed and hope that they did a good job processing it. Well, of course, how many times, <laughs> did, how many times did you take your roll of 35-millimeter film to yeah. the store and you got it developed and you, and you see out of those 20, yeah. 24 pictures, <laughs> you go, these are all crap. You know? yeah. Or you got two maybe. So I think that's been a real uh, help to photographers mm -hmm. is you can take it oh yeah and immediately look at it mm -hmm. and you can see oh oh this is yeah this is looking good sure and then maybe focus yeah. a little more on something for the next picture has helped a lot oh i bet yeah um, so many people found out that they do have an eye for photography through their cell phones yeah you know uh, composing shots and maybe that uh helps them to move on to the next level you know uh, and also it's not really a mistake that people make, but some folks don't understand that shooting with a professional camera, an SLR, mirrorless system, 
produces an image that has to be processed. And when I say process, mm -hmm. that means bringing it into Adobe software, whether it be Lightroom or Photoshop. There's many uh, programs out there to use. But you need to be a little bit familiar with how to process an image. What percentage of your photos do you take and you say, that's it? You know, you don't even have to Photoshop it. Zero. Every image I take that I'm going to publish or, uh, you know, move on with, I process in Photoshop and Lightroom. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't think there's ever been an image that came out of my camera that I didn't process. The files are meant to be processed. That's yeah. interesting because mm -hmm. I, I thought, and maybe I'm wrong, that a professional photographer, mm -hmm. boy, they just snap and, and they don't do much <laughs> to the picture because they just, you know, they know what they want. But yeah. you, what you're saying is, mm -hmm. no, there's a lot more that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot in that file to work with in the shadows, particularly in the shadows and highlights. And uh, I think that's when we're talking about negative, positive, you know, dark light, strong light, all that those can be worked with in the image file and uh you can you can can bring out more detail and i myself i don't you know photography isn't an, an area that i spend a lot of time on mm -hmm. and um and when i take a picture I, I just snap it and that's it you know i don't i never go back and uh try to enhance it or do really? anything just mm -hmm. mainly because I don't know how. Mm -hmm. I just never. I just never have gotten into that part yeah. of it. Um, I'm sure it's like any other program. You work on it and you get mm -hmm. better and better. But um, that's something I'll have to. Yeah, the iPhone, you, know, you know, is making it easier for people to get more comfortable with processing their images. I think because there is some editing techniques you can use in the phone. Yeah, and and I see some. You know, some of people I know will. Yeah, they'll say, "Oh, you should just lighten that up a little bit," mm -hmm. and I say. <laughs> you know, so right, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that was a good question because I've had you know, several tours where folks don't want to edit their pictures in any kind of software. Sometimes I'll tell them to email them to themselves and just edit them on their phones. Mm. At least do a little bit of editing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it can also be cropping the image so that you do have that rule of thirds in place in your image. You mean? You may have shot it a little bit too wide. Right, right. Yeah, so you can crop your image. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if if people want to get in touch with you, if mm -hmm. they said, "Oh boy, I did, he, he he sounded great today, Brian Hale. Bob, <laughs> I wanna I wanna get him to take my family out." Yeah. Um, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, through TomTillTours.com. Uh, we can do reservations there. Call the gallery here on Main Street. Tom's gallery is right there in the middle of town. Mm -hmm. um, I'm online, my personal gallery at BrianHalePhotography.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. We're on TripAdvisor for our tours. Um, so lots of ways. Um, I also have some prints on display at the Hogan Gallery here in town on the second floor. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, Dan has his images on sale at the Gallery Moab, so check Dan's work out there, Dan Norris. Out of all the pictures you've taken in this, uh, in this beautiful place we call home, what, what is the one picture that's, that you say, this is Moab, or this is 
this is where I live, and you show proudly show that. Um, I'd have to say it was an image from Indian Creek, south of Moab. When I initially came here to Moab in, I think it was 90, 1993, I met a explorer by the name of Rory Tyler that lives here in Moab, and we've remained friends. I just had lunch last week with Rory, but Rory uh, gave me a lot of insight into the ancient history here in Moab, and I was always been interested in the rock art and mm. uh, how people lived with nature here. Uh, I got a great shot of a rock art panel at sunset, very balanced, and I just happened to be hiking at the time with my equipment, and I looked over and I said, the sun is going to set on that ridge, and this rock art panel is going to be lit up mm. very strong. And I think back, well, that's how they intended it mm. to be mm. uh, in that great light. And uh, you huh. can see that shot on my website. And it's just a dramatic sky, a beautiful sunset, and a well-lit rock art panel in Indian Creek. Mm. I'll ha yeah. is, is it on your website? Sure is. I will have to look for that. <laughs> Well, Brian, I want to thank you so much for coming up you here bet, today. Richard. I hope you enjoyed this. I sure did. Um, thank I know you. we've been talking about doing this I for know, about for, a year. <laughs> for at least a year. I remember running into you in the gallery. And then, yeah. of course, COVID hits and everything yeah. just stopped. And uh, I was so glad that when I, I called you a couple <laughs> weeks ago, you said, sure, you'd like to come on. So, yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. We, we live in a beautiful place, and it's just, I'm so grateful for all my friendships here and the people I met a long time ago. And uh, it's just a beautiful place to live. There's a lot of creative energy here, and I hope people can get out with their cameras and take advantage of our beautiful surroundings. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Brian. You bet, Richard. <laughs>